this week, I am celebrating with all of y'all. It is one year since I started my podcast. This is episode number 52. So it's been one full year of Mondays spent with you. I am also feeling happy today for a few reasons. I am home today because it is a holiday. It's Juneteenth, so a day off of work for me. I just got home from a fantastic week in Las Vegas. I met a group of people that I will hold near and dear to my heart. I had the opportunity to be a helper at a Conscious Discipline Institute in Las Vegas. I did know about five or six others there before going in, but I met so many new people, other helpers from all over the country and a couple of other countries. The women who were at my table that made up our little family for the week. And then the group of women who were in my circle up group in the afternoons. It was a great experience getting the opportunity to help and be of service for the Institute, but also to be at CD Conscious Discipline again for a participant for the second time with new leaders and speakers And I took so many notes and got to practice my conscious discipline skills all week. And finally, on a personal note, my son is making the drive from Asheville, North Carolina, home to move in with a friend of his about a half hour away from me here in New England. So I will get to see his face much more than I have over the past few years. So I'm really excited about that. I will also get to spend a little time with my oldest today, who I haven't hung out with in a little bit, and my wife decided to work at home today, so I will get to spend a little extra time with her as well. So I'm feeling pretty happy today. I want to talk about concept that I have been thinking about from the past week in Conscious Discipline and break it down so that we can take that concept and apply it in our life to help us a little bit, but really to help those around us that we love. This is the basic concept, and then I'll give you some examples. So someone comes to us, let's say it's a child, but it really could be anyone else in your family, friends, work environment. But for this, let's say it's a child in your life, and they have made some kind of accomplishment Usually, most of us want to show that we're happy for them. We want to give a positive reaction, right? So what do we say? Usually, it's some form of good job, great job. So it might be somewhat of a vague response, but one that we want to give to show them that they are on the right path. We want to let them know that was a good thing that you did. Do more of those kinds of things. Get good grades, do well in school, get a good job, make good choices. When they make any kind of positive choice or they get positive results, we want to remind them that that was a desired action or outcome. Do more of that. That's the message that we want to give. But then there's another response that often we give and they get from some of us. This is the response of really wanting to let them know that we want more of that outcome. So it might sound something like this. I'm so proud of you. That makes me so happy that you did that. I have such a smart kid. 
or something that shows that you as the parent or whatever your relationship is to this child, you're so proud of that kiddo that you're taking this achievement and you might be making it an achievement of the family or even a little bit of a reflection on you as the parent to raise such a high accomplishing smart kiddo. It can feel a little bit to the child like you're sharing in that accomplishment and that it might be a little bit of your accomplishment too. And one other reaction that sometimes can happen, and this is one that I remember happening sometimes when I was little, is the, oh my God, they're so cute reaction that acknowledges the accomplishment, but still has the kind of backhanded compliment that the child is little and cute and that it's a good accomplishment but for someone who is not so grown up yet. So there's genuine interest and good feelings, but it comes with a little side feeling of almost disrespect in the other person, that they are still young, inexperienced, not on the same level as you. And it gets summed up in communicating that they are cute. This is one that I remember experiencing when I was younger. And believe me, It always comes from very well-meaning, good-intentioned parents. My parents could not have been prouder when it came to my accomplishments. So I did get a little bit of that owning the accomplishment as in we did a good job to raise such a smart kid. But I also did get a little bit of the, oh, look, She has her first date or her first boyfriend or her first car. How cute is that kind of reaction? But somehow at that age, didn't help for me to feel a little bit more grown up. It sounded to me like I was a cute little kid reaching a cute little milestone. And I was still someone that the adults looked at and were not really feeling any respect towards thinking that I was an adorable little kid doing something precious. I didn't feel any bigger in the world. Okay, so right now it probably sounds a little bit like this. We're doing it all wrong. No matter what we say, it's the wrong thing. And then again, why are these kiddos so sensitive and so fragile that we have to say the exact right thing? We're going to damage them all. And I want to address that. Because this really isn't about the children all being fragile little snowflakes, as I've heard others call the children these days. And when someone says that, I can feel my feathers bristle a little bit because to me, it says that I am an adult. I have earned the right to act however I want. And children, even though they are children and do not have fully developed brains, and have not developed all of the skills that they need in life yet, should all just suck it up and be able to handle anything that we want to dish out. And they should take whatever that is that we want to do and say to them and still turn out to be well-adjusted, mentally stable adults with all of the best skills. Puts all the responsibility on the children to turn out well, while the tools that we give them may not be the best tools for the job. So I am going to compare that to saying that we don't need to tend the soil in the garden to make sure that it is the 
best soil that we can make it. We don't have to tend it or water it the right amount or make sure that it has the right amount of sunlight and fertilizer. And then the plants and flowers that grow out of the soil are still expected to manage to be the best plants and flowers that can grow. And if they don't grow well, well, it's the plant's fault. I think that it's a little naive to think that it is not our job as the adults in the environment or as the gardeners in this scenario that have a responsibility to tend that soil and to give those plants every bit of expertise that we are able to with the skills that we have to give the flowers the best chance to grow in the best way. If we can do it better, why wouldn't we? Why would we keep using the same old type of fertilizer in the garden and say the plants can figure it out if they kept coming out with new and improved types of fertilizer that worked better and cost the same as the old one? It doesn't cost us anymore to use new phrases or wording to support our children. We just have to be willing to learn how to say things in a way that supports them better. We have to learn what to say and then practice. But if we keep on clinging to the old ways to talk to children or to yell at children because we shouldn't have to change ourselves, then we have to be able to live with the old results. And right now, the old results are adult children who could have better mental health and feel more prepared for our world. Okay, so let's not just talk about what not to say or what not to do when someone shares an accomplishment. The whole point of this is to have the skills and to know what to say or what to do in those situations. Just like anything else, we can break it down to be very simple, but it takes practice to be able to respond in a new way and not the old habit way of good job. And as a trained teacher, and for anyone who has been teaching for a long time, the phrase good job just always lives right on the tip of your tongue. And it's something that you might find yourself saying all day long. It's easy and it just comes naturally when you have said it so much and it kind of covers every different situation from a child putting their backpack away in the right place to using the toilet to being kind to a friend. It can all just be good job. Okay, so what is more helpful to say? The important thing is to help a child to own their own accomplishment. They did it. We did not do it, even if it is something that we are teaching them. So yes, our goal for them is to, say, learn to share with another child, or for us to teach them how to write their name, or learn to ride a bike, or whatever it is that we are teaching them. But once we teach them the skills, they are the ones that learn it, practice it, master it. The accomplishment belongs to them, not to us as the teacher. So that is one thing that we want to communicate. You did it. It's such a simple way 
to say this part of it. You did it. Even if it was us teaching them, they did the thing. So that can be the first part of what we say. And then noticing makes up the next part. What did they do? Put it into words for them. So for an older infant or a young toddler, they are so rapidly learning so much language. And we can help with that by narrating what they do and putting their accomplishments into words. You did it. You shared those blocks with your sister. You did it. You rode your bike all the way to the stop sign. You did it. You wrote your name on the paper by yourself. So give them the language. You can always add a way to go or look at you. Or if it's really hard to break that good job habit, then add it on at the end. You did it. You used the toilet instead of getting your pants wet. Good job. Even if you use good job, it's getting a big upgrade with adding the responsibility of the accomplishment on the child and the words put into specifics for them. It's helpful feedback to the child as opposed to that just generic good job. Now, if at this point it still sounds confusing about why good job is not enough, I can tell you this. At the conference that I just went to, this institute is not like a regular conference with different workshops. It is a full day week-long workshop in which a lot of the time is spent in practicing skills rather than just learning about them. So when you take part in an activity in which someone gives you specific feedback like this and then gives you generic feedback like good job, you can actually feel the difference. When someone sees exactly what you did and puts it into words for you, feels like the other person has really seen you and respects you and notices you. You just feel seen and valued. Good job just doesn't evoke that same feeling. It's generic and it feels generic. Our kids deserve to be seen and noticed as they practice and learn their new skills. It doesn't take more money. It doesn't even really take more time. It only takes our learning this new skill and practicing it so that our kids can be on the receiving end of it. And the thing is, what we give them right now, the external voices that they are hearing from us, that will become their future internal dialogue to themselves. Now, how many of us have grown up And our internal dialogue just shames us for making mistakes. How many of us beat ourselves up or yell at ourselves when we do anything wrong? Now, wouldn't it be better to have our internal voice to ourselves just be kinder and just say, oops, try again when we make a mistake and then acknowledge our accomplishments in a way that is respectful and helpful so that we know how to talk to ourselves in that same way. The last piece that can be helpful is to tell children what is helpful or responsible or safe. 
so that that part can be tacked on to the end there. You pushed in your chair so that no one else would walk into it. That was safe. You moved over so that John could sit next to you. That was kind. You carried in a bag of groceries to help mommy. That was responsible. Not over the top, like, we can't believe you did that kind of excitement, but more of a, of course you did that because you were helpful. That kind of energy to it. The last part of this that I will add is please and thank you part. Now, this became a big discussion at the Institute as it was very much a hot topic because we want to teach manners, but we talked about the most appropriate scenarios in which to teach them. I am going to sum it up quickly. When you give a child command, so that would be an adult to a child, you would not add in please and thank you so that you can be very clear and be assertive. Remember, you're modeling your assertive voice for children. We want them to learn assertiveness. So you would do it like this. Come line up at the door over here like this and show them how to do it. Put your laundry in the basket over here like this. Put your dish in the dishwasher after you rinse it and line up your dish like this. Those would be commands. After the child does it, instead of thank you, you might say to a younger child, you did it. That was helpful. Now, I know, I know. We still want to teach manners, and we certainly can do that too. And that comes with a request, a command for giving a child a direction we want them to follow. A request is something that we ask a child to do just to help us out, more like a favor. It would happen when the child actually does have a choice to do it or not. Please pass mom the broccoli. Thank you. That's a request. Would you please hand me the remote? Thank you. It's for favors that are for us. It's not like a rule of the house or a requirement. It's would you please help me when there is an option for the child to actually say yes or no. It's also for peer to peer when it's not an adult to a child. So you might use please and thank you to your spouse to model it. And your children can use please and thank you to their siblings since they are not in charge of their siblings, but they're on the same level as each other. So you will want to give them those words as you teach them. You wanted the red block. Ask Susie, may I please have the red block? Say it now. So unless you are talking to an older child who's babysitting a much younger child, and in that case, you would want to teach them how to use commands. If it's just a normal sibling to sibling, you will want to teach your children to use requests that they will make of each other and to use please and thank you. So please and thank you are not lost arts that will go away. They just tend to muddy up that assertive command. They make a command accidentally sound like it is an option when it's not an option. So being clear is more 
important when we give a child a direction to follow. So that is all that I have for you today. You did it. You listened to this entire podcast today. That was helpful to you, I hope. Thank you for being here with me today to celebrate one year of my coach Katie. I am happy to have you along for the ride with me today. Have a great week. And I want you to find some opportunities to notice what others do and to put it into words to acknowledge what they do to them. You did it. Put it into words and then say that was helpful. Together we can teach children that their actions do matter and we can help them to build those skills and build a beautiful inner voice. Have a great week.